We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, December 22nd edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. I'm with Derek Van Riper. And by the way, anyone out there, if you own DerekVanRiper.com, can you please contact Derek? Yeah. He's looking for his domain. He, he wants he wants it, you know, I got mine at JohnHalpin.com. Derek wants his. Someone owns it. We don't know who it is. We can't find the person. Can we track him down somehow, him or her, and, and figure this out? Please help me. Yeah. Um, it's it's silly because it's not worth anything. I mean, it's worth very little. <laughs> It maybe compared to what a domain that's just never been registered would cost, it might be worth 50 bucks compared to 10. And yeah. I mean, it there's really not much there in value, so um, it's really just more of an inconvenience that I have to consider a dot ru, uh, dot us. I, I'd probably get both ru and us just in case you know things turn for the worse and I'm kind of covered, uh, in, in that event too. So I do need help getting the dot com. If you can help me, please let me know. You can yep. tweet at me at Derek Van Riper. No spaces, no <laughs> underscores, no numbers. 
no, I don't have the vanity license plate Twitter handle. I actually have a normal Twitter handle handle, and I would just like the website to go with it. Yep. I'm with you. I, I would like to help you get that. So anyone out there, please tweet me too at jhelpin37. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about domains. Don't you wish that three years ago you had registered every variation of the words Bitcoin or blockchain? Yeah, that would have been brilliant because it probably would have been very cheap. And <laughs> you would have been a genius for doing it. Did you hear the story about this Long Island iced tea company yesterday? Sorry, folks, no. we'll get to football shortly, I promise. No, no, I didn't hear so, about this. So there's this company called Long Island Iced Tea. And I'm just going to try to read the, the summary. I don't want to get it wrong. But they changed their name to Long... They were Long Island Iced Tea Corporation, and they changed their name to Long Blockchain Corporation. <laughs> and the shares went up 500%. And I was talking to my dad about this. I mean, dad said, yeah, I think I saw the CEO on TV and he said, yeah, I have no idea why this happened. <laughs> All of that sounds really dumb. I it's mean, it's like, like the 1990s when everybody put dot com at the end of their name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was listening to this podcast. And I promise we will get to football very soon. Uh, it was the how I built this podcast that NPR puts out. And it was the episode about Instagram. And the founders of Instagram said they knew they made it when people simply referred to it just by Instagram and not Instagram, the app for your photos, you know, where they right. had to kind of describe it after a comma. And I, I think that's such a, a turning point for everybody. You know, when you when you can shed the the in front of Facebook and, and things like that, it's kind of a, a milestone. Now, I don't know if, if rebranding to go after something that's been trendy, that might not be a good idea. That might be a good way to get that temporary surge. Everybody figures out what you are and then you just disappear. Right. Okay, so I'm reading more about this company. Long Blockchain was a str- is plans to sell non-alcoholic iced teas and lemonades as a subsidiary, but now says it will mainly be seeking to partner or invest with companies involved in blockchain technology. What? That is so weird. It's so weird. It's so stupid. It's very 2017, though. Just what anyone who made money off that's just sell as fast as you can before before people realize how stupid it is if they haven't already. All right. I have a question for you, a football-related question. Do you think that if the Eagles – do you think there's any possibility the Eagles set people on Monday night? No, because for that to happen, the Packers have to beat the Vikings, right? Correct. That is absolutely not going to happen. Absolutely. The Vikings, absolutely. The, the Vikings. You can guarantee me the outcome of a football game right now. This is where we are. Case Keenum would have to have one of the worst games we've ever seen from an NFL quarterback ever in a scenario in which he should be no worse than average in, in a total downside scenario. So no, I think the Eagles are fine. I, I think the, the thing you have to have in place really is backup quarterback uh, options ready to go Sunday in case Nick Foles isn't going to play because of an unlikely, extremely unlikely, impossible Packers win over the Vikings with Brett Hundley at quarterback and no Devonte Adams. Who's he going to throw to, John? I know. He only throws to Devonte Adams. I, I get that it's an unlikely scenario, but it, I mean, if this happens, if Saturday night happens and and the Packers win, do, do you feel it? Let's say you are rolling with Nick Foles in your fantasy title game, which is possible. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, uh, Aguilar, maybe Zach Ertz, all those guys. If you have those guys and by some miracle, the Vikings 
lose, what do you do with those eagles? <sighs> Are they good enough to just elevate the play of Nate Sudfeld? <laughs> that's the that's the question you have to answer. I mean, Zach Ertz is really good. He's a top four tight end right now. So, but, but is he going to sit half the game? I think they wouldn't. I don't think they would necessarily sit everybody, would they? I, I don't know. I mean, Peterson said earlier in the week he kind of he kind of hinted that he might rest people. I haven't seen anything. Last couple of days, I haven't seen specifics. So I'll, I'll after we're done, I'll look more. But it sounds like. I mean, I don't, most coaches wouldn't rest people for two weeks, but I don't know. You never know. Well, like, would it, would it scare you too. away? This is where I am. Would it scare you away from anybody? Mm, yeah, I mean, Aguilar, especially. And okay. Maybe they give Jay Ajayi a little extra work. I, I, I have a hard time reading what exactly they would adjust other than trying to get Sudfeld reps. I mean, I think they what they're probably going to do is try to get Sudfeld reps if they can in week 17, just so in the event that Nick Foles gets hurt in the playoffs, they're not just turning to this guy that has no experience at all. And, and like barely any experience even working with the first team offense in practice, because I, as I understand it, the third string quarterback rarely runs the first team offense. The backup will on occasion take some of those reps, but Sudfeld would be just totally going in blind to that matchup in the playoffs if something were to happen to Foles and he hasn't played with the first teamers yet. So, so you wouldn't, you don't think that Corey Clement might get more work at the expense of a Jai or Blunt or something? I guess not to the point where it would change my plans for Corey Clement. Okay. <laughs> if that generally, uh, this is a, a pretty ugly situation. If the Packers find a way to beat the Vikings, but I just, I'm so convinced that won't happen. All right. That I, I'm not really opening up my mind to the possibility of having to make a series of adjustments. Also, selfishly, I don't have any of the Eagles. I don't, I don't have those guys. I don't have a Jai. I don't have Elshon Jeffrey anywhere. I've only got him like in best ball or something. Uh, no Aguilar on my remaining teams. So selfishly, it doesn't impact me much. I have Jeffrey in my one, my one championship game. I have Jeffrey. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I told you, by the way, the, in, in the, the one league that I lost this in the semis, I posted the fourth highest score of the entire season for the league, and I lost. Fantasy football is never just. It's really not. It's not, it's not fun sometimes. Those are the not fun days. Okay. Um, by the way, the Twitter stuff, you can also tweet, tweet us at Rotowire, and you can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, and our Facebook page is always available if you ask questions too. All right, we're going to go through our usual Friday. Um, not our last one. We're going to do it at week 17, even though if you're playing, you're crazy. But we're going to talk about getting ready for your championship games this week. Um, injury report. Um, questionable, which we're talking about the guys who are really questionable. Some guys are listed as questionable, and we're pretty sure they're going to play. These are the guys who I th- we, we, we are uncertain about right now. Um, Kelvin Benjamin. Is, is is he's hit and miss every week right now um, against the pass. I don't know if you want him anyway. Cameron Brait seems to be a maybe. Amari um, Cooper didn't practice Thursday. I didn't see anything for Friday yet. We're recording this at about a little after three Eastern, um, but I haven't seen anything for Friday. They play Monday, so unless you know something by Saturday, that's a little bit of a risky proposition. He was back. Came back today. He came back today. He did. What I missed? I just looked five minutes before we started this. All right. Thank you. Full practice, limited. What do he do? Just says that he returned. It did not provide a level, so I don't know if practice was in progress when we got that news, but 
Michael Gelkin of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Right. Already a, a year ahead of the curve, too, having the, the Las Vegas paper covering the Raiders. Okay. Um, Joe Mixon, according to uh, Catherine Terrell of the uh, she the team website or the Cincy Inquirer? I forget. Um, I thought she was ESPN Cincinnati oh, yeah. or something or ESPN Southern Ohio or ESPN Ohio plus Kentucky, something like that. So Joe Mixon removed from the injury report. Um appears to be out of concussion protocol, according to Kath Trell, removed from injury report. Um, it sounds like Joe Mixon's going to be back. Um, Chris Hogan, did we any Chris Hogan news today? I didn't see any of that either. I don't feel real good about him, even if he plays. I mean, I know the the Bills, you know, narrative, revenge game, blah, blah, blah. But he was limited as early as Wednesday. He was limited again Thursday. And as you said, I haven't seen an official... update on him yet for friday so he probably goes in questionable it's probably a game time decision and if even if he plays you're sitting there kind of worrying he's not going to see that many targets because brandon cooks is healthy and rob gronkowski is healthy so he's no higher than third in the pecking order for targets he could have some amandola you you could have leon lewis catching some passes out of the backfield burkhead i think is out so that that's at least the one the one Patriot player where we have some some clarity ahead of time. But even with him, he was creeping in as doubtful all week. I guess he hasn't officially been ruled out as of this recording, but it seems like it's almost certain to happen in the next eight hours or so. Okay. Um, The Redskins had some issues. Um, P. Ryan. Let's see here. P. Ryan and P. Ryan got hurt in practice on Thursday. I think it was some weird he didn't practice today, which is not good. He's got a groin injury. He did not good. Um, not practicing Thursday, Friday. You don't. You do not want to see, especially with a rookie. Um, Capri Bibbs. It's Capri Bibbs Day for everybody. Every day is Capri Bibbs Day. <laughs> Capri Bibbs sounds like some kind of weird, like overall thing that would be for, I don't know, probably ladies, but could be for everybody. I don't. I don't know for sure. Um, the other one is uh, Jameson Crowder is questionable. Um, but Capri Bibbs, no joke. If if Prepiron doesn't play, Capri Bibbs is it. I mean, he, this is like legit last guy, almost literally last guy standing. We've said we say that about other people because you think, oh well, the third string guy nobody ever heard of. No, this I mean I don't know who's left. Yeah, Lashawn Daniels broke his hand. You know, Chris Thompson got hurt. Uh, Rob Kelly got hurt earlier this season. Byron it's, it's Marshall been- got hurt. Marshall's on IR. I mean, it, it's just been a revolving door. So Kerwin Williams is very questionable heading into the weekend. And if he doesn't play, Elijah Penny would get the start. If you had a championship riding on a waiver pickup of those two running backs, Elijah Penny going up against the Giants and Capri Bibbs going up against Denver in a revenge game, of course. <laughs> Penny or Bibbs, who, who's who's the call for you? You know, as the flex or RB2 That's with tough. your season hanging in the balance. Because the share of touches would have to lean in Bibbs's favor. Because Penny, even though the Giants are not good, Penny would be sharing work with DJ Foster. Now, now I know that Penny, it, that Penny would be sort of the early down guy. All right? Wouldn't he share with DJ Foster? Whereas Capri Bibbs, I mean, literally, Capri Bibbs might be it. This is, the, I mean, this sounds so crazy, but Capri Bibbs, that, I mean, 
I might go that way, even with the tougher opponent. I can't I believe we're talking about this, honestly. But I think this is this is a mark against fantasy football and the amount of attrition that happens. Most likely, if you've survived to this point, it's because you have a lot of talent at running back and you're not scrambling to backfill because the guys that got hurt in front of those players weren't good enough to get you to championship week in the first place. So my hope is that nobody listening has to deal with that, but it just, it can't, and it's, it's kind of a DFS tournament question too. I mean, it where where it doesn't apply to season long. It can be applied to DFS. That's part of what I, I like about daily is it opens up everything for everybody. And those guys both check in, I think at or right around the minimum salary pretty much on every site. Right. And, you know, the, the, you were talking about being a negative. All the people, raise your hand out there if you, if Sam Congato won you a fantasy championship many years, whatever year that was. Yeah, and put, put your hands back on the steering wheel. Just Right. I mean, it happened, right? I don't want, I don't want you guys driving around out there with one or zero hands on the steering wheel because you're <laughs> like, yeah, I won two titles because of Sam Congato. Like, that's... It just, happened. It, how you played the last three games and gained a billion yards, and this is great. All right. Um, he became a doctor, I think. What? Sam Congato, I'm, I'm 99% sure, became a doctor after being an undrafted rookie. Yeah, here you go. There's a story from last or this November. Sam Congato, yeah, he went on, went on to become a doctor. He, he only started two games during four years at Liberty University and still found his way into the Packers' backfield. What an amazing story. Fantasy football legend and doctor. How about that? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That he's he, the one that, guy. He's the guy who, whenever anyone brings up the late-season fantasy hero, he's the first name that comes up. Mm-hmm. I have to pull up those game logs later. Sometime while you're talking later, I'm going to pull up his game logs from that one year where he went out of his mind. All right, back to this year. Um, guys who are out. Uh, Burkhead, we talked about. Antonio Brown, Devontae Adams. Sounds like Jeremy Macklin's out. Deshaun Jackson's out. Marquise Lee uh, is out. Damian Williams is doubtful. It sounded like, not that they were going to take Kenyon Drake off the field, but Damian Williams was looking like he might come back. And you kind of, maybe if you own Drake, you kind of, oh, I really don't want to see that. It sounds like you're not going to see that. Um, the one that I want to talk about here, does, does the Deshaun Jackson absence against the Panthers defense that has given up plenty of points to wide receivers, Chris Godwin, any beyond DFS, any interest? Mm, beyond DFS, probably not. And I think the similar toss up to the running back one I threw at you would be Demir Bird. Yes. On the other side of that game versus Chris Godwin, who is a little bit cheaper, I think because Bird has contributed two weeks in a row and had the big game last week, he's crept up above the minimum. I mean, I think Godwin, he's the kind of player that needs just one big play to make value at that price, and he has the speed to do it. And Bird, I almost wonder if Bird is kind of quietly stepping into the number two receiver role for the Panthers right now. They got Olsen back. He absolutely is. So Olsen's going to get his, but Funches's shoulder. We talked about this on Monday. He he's playing through some kind of bad shoulder injury because he got lit up catching the ball in the end zone directly in an already injured shoulder, dropped the ball. It was kind of writhing in pain for a while. Mm -hmm. Give him credit, I guess for, for gutting it out and, and continuing to play with it. But I think that, kind of opens things up again 
or Demir Bird. It, it, it's more of a tournament play. I don't even really like it in season long. But part of it's also just picking on Tampa Bay. The right. Bucks are one of those bottom four, bottom five pass defenses that look like utter clowns every single week. <laughs> so I'm always looking at who's playing the Bucks, who's playing the Texans. You know, the Chiefs have been generous to number two and number three receivers, too. They're on that short list that I'm, I'm looking at every single week. And I think that's what also makes me interested in Bird, aside from the, the two touchdowns last week are great. But I almost wonder if he can get more volume this week if Funchess is even more banged up now than he was. Yeah, I think what happened with Bird, do you remember they had a Monday night game? Was it Dolphins? I think they played the Dolphins. And they were, and this was right after Kelvin Benjamin was out of the way. They were getting Curtis Samuel more involved. And they were trying to, basically, they wanted more speed on the field. And they were trying to get him on the field. And then he got hurt. He hurt his ankle. I think he bro- broke his ankle or he fractured his lower leg or whatever it was. And he was out for the season. And that's the role Bird's in. Like, basically, they they got Kevin Benjamin out of the way to get more, basically, to space the field out better and have a guy who could who could be a speed guy. And it was going to be Samuel. And because it's not Samuel anymore, I think it's Bird. I think you're right. They they are they are trying to get him involved. I mean, he's not going to catch five passes a week or four passes a week or get two touchdowns every week like he did last week. But he's he's involved, definitely. So... Um, that, that's another long shot type of, I mean, think of what, think of Ted Ginn on the Panthers. That's what they would like Demir Bird to be. Right. And he played 51 snaps against the Packers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty hefty volume. So to me, it's, everybody's kind of going after Keelan Cole's big game from last week. I mean, understandably it was a huge yardage game, whereas Bird was just two touchdowns. But in the games before that, the two weeks before that against the Colts and the Seahawks, Keelan Cole was targeted three times per game. He right. just scored in both of them, so that made people really excited. I, I think Demir Bird is similar to Keelan Cole in terms of range of outcomes and even like a baseline expectation based on Cole's typical usage. Right. All right. Um, by the way, Sam Congato in 2005, November 27th, 26 for 111 and a touchdown, December 4th, 20 for 75 and a touchdown, December 11th. 29 for 171 and a touchdown. So that would probably be weeks 13, 14, 15. Yeah. So showed up, showed up, got carries and and did some stuff with them though, <laughs> which is so unlikely when you, uh, when you really look back at, at his story. And I think he's actually, uh, in year three of medical school right now, he's going to go back to Nigeria when he's done. Nice. Good for you, Sam Congato. That's great. And everybody who ever had him in fantasy, owned him in fantasy football loved it. So that's good. All right. Um, guys who are going to play. It sounds like Funches will play. Uh, Julio's going to play. He was banged up all week. Julio's going to play. Tevin Coleman looks like he's back. Um, so he might eat into the Devontae Freeman work a little bit. Um, who are you looking for this weekend? Who do you want to watch? Uh, games I am most curious about and players I am most curious about. I would say... <sighs> it's a short list this week. I mean, the saints game against the Falcons, will we finally get a good game from Matt Ryan? That's still pretty high up on my list. Patriots bills. I don't like watching the bills. So that's a little bit under, under the radar for me. There's, there's a lot of big lines. There aren't many close games. Yeah. Expect. I think the return of Zeke and how the Seahawks bounce back from getting just punched in the face repeatedly by the Rams last week. That's one of the games I'm, most interested in right you know i want to see how zeke looks i expect him to be very good but i also want to see if seattle kind of comes back a little fired up after getting embarrassed 
I would say Jags Niners, a real test for Jimmy Garoppolo. That I checks agree. in as maybe like a top three or top four game on the slate this week. And things are broken up a little bit. Two Saturday games, two Monday games. Uh, so it's a little easier to lock in on one or two games on Sunday. Uh, and I think the other one that I, I think is an interesting game and most people maybe don't care about as much is actually that Panthers Bucks game. Yep. For the reasons we were talking about. I mean, Mike Evans had a couple offensive pass interference penalties on Monday night that kept him from having a monster game. He's very affordable on DFS sites. So I'm interested to watch him. And uh, on the other side, you know, Bird plus the Greg Olson plus Cam Newton with Newton playing well. When Newton plays well, the Panthers are one of the more exciting teams in the league to watch. And it seems like they're starting to click at just the right time. Uh, I agree with you. They're playing well. Um, I want to see Dak. I think Dak with Dak with Zeke is is better Dak. I, I have him ranked. Hang on. Fourth. Fourth, the quarterback. I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah, I, I, I like Dak, too. I mean, I think because of the shootout potential there, the thing I, I'm still hesitant with as far as Dak goes is buying into his pass catchers. Yeah. And they're, they're going to run it more effectively with Zeke than without him. That's that's the that's like gravity right now for that offense. But I just wonder how much of Dak's struggle while Zeke was suspended can be tied into Dallas doing such a terrible job giving him good pass catchers. Right. Dez is not Dez anymore. He's maybe a wide receiver too, but that's probably as high as you can go with him. And then there are other receivers there that wouldn't even be on plenty of other teams. I mean, it's a sneaky bad group of pass catchers because you got big names and Dez and Witten and Witten's even you know further removed from his prime, of course, than Dez is. But it, it's not a good, it's not a good setup for the passing game right now. And he, he played well with the same setup a year ago, and that's the impressive thing about Dak Prescott. But I, I I'm hesitant to expect too much from him because of how little I respect that group of pass catchers. All right, I am looking at Dez Bryant's splits. With, in the last two years, with Zeke, 8.5 targets per game. Without Zeke, 6.1 targets per game. So my theory would be that they just run fewer plays because they don't run it as well without him. All right. They punt more, uh, and their efficiency just goes down as a team. So that, that's probably a big part of it. And if you don't have to worry about Zeke, you can adjust your coverage in a way that yep. Dez gets more attention and then Dak has to go elsewhere. And when Dak goes elsewhere, he's throwing at guys that wouldn't play on a lot of teams. So yeah, that it's, you, you can see how it falls apart as quickly as it does. And, uh, I, I mean, I think Zeke, any, any doubts about him being ready to go are, are silly. I don't think anybody with a completely functioning brain, <laughs> actually thinks that Zeke's going to struggle because of rust or anything like that. If he were to be you know, held to like 80 yards on 20 carries and score once people are going to be disappointed, but that's a ridiculous floor. I mean, that that's, that's why he's Zeke. He's right. that good. He runs well, even in tough spots. And at this point with all the injuries Seattle's had defensively, it's just not the tall order that typically is going up against them right now. 
Okay. The other thing, by the way, speaking of the Cowboys, uh, Tyron Smith was back on the practice field today, Friday. Um, I saw one tweet that said, doesn't sound like he did much, but he was out there. So I think we're in a little bit of a, we're in a, we're in a holding, holding pattern of Tyron Smith and that could affect your, your outlook on some of those other Cowboys. I mean, I don't think it would make you bench Dak or even Dez in a lot of cases, but he, he's, he's a big factor for their offense. Um, who, 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 Juju or Martavis? It's the, the correct answer is supposed to be Juju because I think the volume is safer. So if it's any sort of like full point PPR, even a half PPR, it's definitely Juju. I think in non PPR, it's a little closer, but you still want to go Smith Schuster over Bryant. And I think it comes down to the way that Roethlisberger has handled those two players all season. And I don't think Houston has anything that resembles a shutdown corner right now. It's why they've struggled so much against the pass. So the question I think I have kind of volleying that back at you, even if you prefer Juju Smith Schuster in this matchup, does Martavis Bryant crack the top 30 or the top 35 to where you are thinking about him as your wide receiver three or as your flex. Whereas in weeks previous, you just would not have done that. Right. Uh, I would go with my, I would be comfortable playing Martavis Bryant this week in a lot of cases. So would you play him over Marquise Goodwin when you consider Goodwin going up against Jacksonville's defense? Probably not, but it's very close for me. It's really close. Cause I, I think, I think with that matchup, that Jags Niners matchup, you have to decide before you even start making a call on Goodwin in particular, but anybody in the Niners offense, you have to decide if you believe that Vegas has that game right or if it's a rare, just total misfire with the Jags only being favored by four games at San Francisco. They played well with Garoppolo. We all love Kyle Shanahan as, as an offensive mind and play caller. But does does the actual talent gap between the group of pass catchers that Jimmy Garoppolo has and the secondary that the Jags bring to the table, does that gap kind of get exposed to the point where it gets ugly and you know, Goodwin is okay, but not great. And Garoppolo throws the ball a ton, but is really inefficient. Maybe turns the ball over a couple times. I don't know. I think Goodwin catches it enough, but it's an interesting question because you're right. The, the Vegas does not seem to believe in the Jags here. Or they really like San Francisco now with Garoppolo. Yep. So, I, mean, I, I was trying to figure out if, if they think Garoppolo is worth four to five points like a really good quarterback is usually worth about six when the line changes if, if like a Rodgers or a Brady or a player like that is out it's roughly a touchdown that you right. see the line move by if Garoppolo is close to that let's just say he's a four-point player right now for the purpose of odds what is CJ Beathard in the other direction <laughs> is he like a, is he like an extra four in the in the wrong direction so when you switch from Beathard to Garoppolo it's an eight-point swing Something like that. So the Jags by 12, would you see that? I think, mate, on the road, hard for the Jags to be a 12-point road favorite, let's say. Uh, like 10, like, would, they, would they be like 10.5-point favorites if Beathard were starting this game in San Francisco? I, I think so. All right, so that makes Garoppolo a, a six and a half point player. Yeah, that's probably right. That's, that's, that, that's that basically says that they're considering him to be an elite quarterback right now with regard to his impact on the game. And as good as I think he can be or is, I'm not sure I'm ready to just put him in that in that boat. Okay. 
Now, the, here's the other question, though, too, and, and, and this is this is the rabbit hole we have to go down with the Jags right now. As, as people get more and more excited about this team and you know, they say stuff like, are the Jags the biggest threat to the Patriots in the AFC? They still have Blake Bortles at quarterback. And yeah, I know he's playing better lately. But is Blake Bortles doing anything more than making layups right now? I mean, he's he's beat up on the Colts twice. whoop de doo Maybe the worst pass defense in the league. He just shredded the Texans in week 15. Who, If the Colts aren't the worst pass defense in the league, then Houston would be. Regardless, bottom three pass defenses in those two matchups. And then he's got the the Seattle game in week 14, which is against a broken version of Seattle. And some big plays in there, too. Some big plays in a lot of those games that you know, he's got fast receivers that can take advantage of, of mistakes. But but yeah. I think I think making making layups, all they want from Bortles is to make layups. And they're so happy that he is. Right. Right. And, and they, they, they have a good enough defense and they run it well. They can be a, a really scary team exactly the way they are. But I think what that means is their ability to blow out a team that's not terrible might be overstated a little bit. Yep. That's fair. I think, they, I think they'll play a lot of teams pretty close, even though they do so many things well. And I, I think Doug Marone's done a great job. I think Sean McVay is going to get more attention for coach of the year, but just kind of like my Bethard Garoppolo thing where you say, well, Sean McVay is worth two and a half wins as an NFL coach. Well, Jeff Fisher is like a minus five, like right off the cuff. <laughs> so your seven and a half win improvement, you know, two thirds of that came from throwing anchor Jeff Fisher out of the boat. And the rest came from picking a good young coach and Sean McVay. And then other things happened like personnel changes too, that also made the team better. So I, I, just, I just think we're, we, we might be at a point with the Jags where our expectations are higher than they're going to be at any point for the rest of the year. And maybe Vegas is actually right. But my instinct when I saw that line was that's stupid. The Jags are going to kill them by at least 10. And then I looked at our staff picks, four to five uh, people in staff picks. It was like Liss, Erickson, Del Don, and Payne, I think, is the other one. Or you know, Pianowski. All four of those guys took the Niners getting the four points. I think mm-hmm. only, only Stopa took the Jags. Wow. Which was, that was very surprising to me. Yep. That's interesting. All right. I mean, I think I picked the, I don't remember who I picked here. I think I picked the, I think I picked the Niners. I'll be able to tell you in about three seconds. No, I picked the Jags. Because I thought I, Jimmy, I thought Jimmy G's been beating up on tomato cans. That it was too much. I could see the other side, but I picked the Jags. And that, that, that same logic I applied to Blake Bortles. Yeah. You can you can look at that with Garoppolo and say, well, what has he really done? I mean, the Bears, he had a good game against the Bears. 293, 7.9 YPA, no touchdowns, one pick. Houston, 334, a TD. Everyone's tearing up Houston. Right. And then Tennessee, kind of a sneaky, bad, falling apart team. Right. You can only play the teams that are on the schedule, so that's all we have to grade them off of. But I, I'm kind of torn on that one too. So th- this could just be one of those games that Vegas is is maybe dead on, and I'm just wrong about both of these teams. All right. 
Folks, FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week and no busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, watch your score real time. If you're out of your fantasy playoffs, like like Derek and I are in a bunch of leagues, I'm sure. Um, you might have one left, but you you know that's you don't want to watch one fantasy team this weekend. You want to watch a lot. Or if you have none, go play FanDuel, right? FanDuel, Jimmy G. Where are we, Jimmy G? Go check him out. Is he priced? He's not priced up. Bortles is at 7600 Jimmy G is at 7,000 on FanDuel. Hmm. I'm not going down that road. I started off with Russell Wilson again this week, even though that was the thing that I really had wrong in my lineup last week. And I survived it in one of the, the, uh, the bomb contests that I was in. I survived, learned to start loving the bomb. (laughs) I, uh, he's 9,000. I think he's going to be low owned. And I just think that, Seattle Dallas is going to be one of the higher scoring games of the week. And I think Seattle is going to bounce back. So I, I didn't go cheap at quarterback. I paired Wilson with Doug Baldwin. Mike Evans at 7,000 on FanDuel is amazing. And then uh, I'm having a hard time staying away from Gronk. So it's a really top heavy lineup for me again. And the kicker question, John, do you, do you play or fade Robbie Gould? He's 4,700. He's fade. been on fire. Fade. I had him last week. He helped me in that matchup I told you. Actually, no, he helped me in a different matchup. He helped me win. But I'm benching him. I picked up Butker. I'm not going back down the Robbie Gould Road. Uh, against the Weather, Jets. though. Weather is a problem. Weather cuts out like a third of the kickers in the league this time of year just because it's cold and windy and maybe snowy a lot of places. I mean, I, I, it's amazing that kicker is part of the conversation. But Gold's been so good. I know he has over the last few games. And I, I think the other narrative too, if, if you buy the line and you think four is right, it's a close game, which means San Francisco can move the ball a little bit. Might be some drives that stall out. And there it is. The goat himself hammering three more field goals. <laughs> <The goat. laughs> it could happen. I, I mean, Robbie gold, the goat just cracked me up. It's so. more likely to me that Robbie Gold puts up another 20 on FanDuel than it is that the Packers beat the Vikings outright. <laughs> oh, wow. You're really confident in that one. Um, no, I, I, I see what I, I get the, the appeal of Robbie Gold, but I don't want to do it against the Jags. I'm just not going to do it. I should go Josh Lambeau instead. Just go to the other side and really laugh at everybody. There you go. All right. And the, the other one I was wondering about in here, Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman in the last two games has caught 13 passes. Hmm. Darkwa ran nine for, was he last week? Was that nine carries for seven yards? I think that was last week. I wonder if he's going to get his shot this week. And if he does, then, I mean, the pass catching is there. I know this is half point PPR, but he's 4,800. I find him interesting. I think you get to put like Wayne Gallman and Kendall Wright into consideration based on usage. Yeah. Despite a very strong lack of confidence that the usage will repeat for the third straight week. Because Kendall Wright's been getting a lot of targets these last two games. He's Mm -hmm. been really solid and he's cheap on FanDuel. The kind of third receiver that allows you to have the Wilson Gronk, you know, expensive receivers combo and get away with it. Demir Bird also in that conversation, too. And Cleveland's pass defense is nothing special. So right. it, could be, it could be another good spot for Kendall Wright. 
He hasn't scored, though, since week four. So maybe. Maybe he's just due. Maybe this is the week. Maybe he's the week. Maybe more cast in tournament. But we'll yeah, I think, I think he's a, 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 a responsible cash punt, as our buddy Joe Pisapia would say. <laughs> Folks, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today, FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a sick, free six-month road wire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million where you will see me and Wayne Gallman which offers more than a million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Good luck on FanDuel, everybody. Um, who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love this week besides Robbie Gold? Uh, Mike Evans. I mentioned before. Yeah, you did. I like him a lot. Uh, I do love Doug Baldwin. Yes. Even if that game's not a shootout, he's the he's the pass catcher there I trust. The, uh, <laughs> the, the great what do you do situation is Jimmy Graham both in season long in DFS. I mean, the pool of everybody makes it easy to just stay away and not make it your problem. But if you were a Jimmy Graham owner and you still made it to the finals, is Jimmy Graham in your lineup over the likes of, I don't know, a waiver wire available, Eric Ebron, perhaps you actually no. I'm looking at my rankings. It's a no, it's a close call, but it's a no for me. How many tight ends do you have ahead of Jimmy Graham this week? Eight. Kelsey, Oops. Gronk, Ertz, Engram, Olsen, Rudolph, Walker, Ebron. Yeah, that's I, I see that as the, the reasonable list. Jeff's got Graham ahead of Ebron, and he's got Graham ahead of Rudolph. The only thing you got to worry about with Minnesota is they just get up like 21 nothing early and then hand the ball off to Latavius Murray 67 times in the second half. Jimmy Graham, 15 targets in his last four games. How, hey, how healthy do you think he is right now? I, I don't know. I would, scale like one to ten, one being typical level of health for week 16 where everybody feels a little bit crappy. Right. I still think he's like middle of the scale at best. I think you're like probably he, he's, right. He's no better than a five. And if he has to have his knee cleaned up again right after the season ends, that wouldn't surprise me if they said, Oh yeah, Jimmy Graham has been playing with you know bone chips floating in his knee since week eight. Oh, okay, that that makes sense. I mean, he was so TD dependent even when he was playing well, right? But at, the, at least since week twelve, the target volume's been down a lot. That's when you kind of wonder: All right, is this a scheme thing where he's not running as many routes? I know we've stats on that, and I just haven't been able to track it down yet. Something has to be going on with him. But maybe it's just the combination of injuries he's had over his career and the fact that he's 31 years old now. I mean, tight ends sometimes burn out a little faster because the position's so physically grueling. And he's had some health issues over the years. Some bad, some bad injuries sprinkled in over yes. the course of his career. Mm-hmm. But he's played, he's played through a lot of them, too. When you look back at his games played count year over year, if, if he plays, he's going to play Sunday. He'll have played in 15 games every single year of his career except for 2015 15 plus which is pretty good yeah for a tight end really good he's 8.9 yards per catch this year really really bad that, lowest that's below by far. His per target number last year was 9.7 per target yeah. and this year he's 8.9 per catch so he has to be physically compromised i i, I agree with you um i really like kyle rudolph i mean i know I, we like everybody in the Vi- on the vikings pretty much with that that whole game going on, but I really I really like Kyle Rudolph. He's healthy this week too, right? I mean, last year, last week it looked like when, on Friday it looked like he wasn't going to play, 
and then they upgraded him and then he caught another touchdown pass remarkable isn't it like i i thought there was almost no chance he would play right last week and he is uh in the end zone eight times that guy has become a nice steady rock of a fantasy tight end um the other guy i love we talked about baldwin i'm jumping back in on the alex collins train yeah i think that makes sense we had a question on the xm show today and it was alex collins versus leonard fournette and Mario was on Collins over Fournette this week. I have. You know what? I don't think that's an outrageous. I have Collins ranked ahead of Leonard Fournette. Right. So that's the kind of thing that you instinctively are like, nah, play Fournette. But then if you look at projections and rankings and things that are uh, a little less just you know, name driven, they're, they're rationally based formulas and things like that. It's kind of surprising. But part of it's the game script, too. And the Ravens are. Nearly two touchdown favorites. The Colts are not good. So you could see big volume. You could see touchdowns. I mean, I, I think there's a lot to like about Alex Collins. But I, I disagree with you guys. I would I would play Fournette okay. over Alex Collins if, if I had that exact problem. Right. Now, in, in daily, of course, if you're playing a slate that it has Saturday and Sunday, there's probably a pretty significant price difference between the two. Fournette's 8,100 on FanDuel, for example. So he's kind of priced up as a top-tier running back. So I, do, I think there's mid-tier value with Alex Collins this week if you're playing in a slate that includes Saturday. I am in a season-long, in my championship game, I am playing Collins over Carlos Hyde. That makes a little more sense to me because Hyde can disappear sometimes yep. with the, the carries kind of dwindling. We saw a couple 12 carry games back late October, early November. He's been more stable workload-wise over the last few weeks. But his target volume is really inconsistent, too. Right. His last five games, his target volume, 2, 1, 5, 13, and 3. Yep. Really bizarre. Really bizarre. Um, the other guy I, I've got my eye on that I really like and I'm going to do in some DFS tournaments, and I sort of wish I had him in, in season-long, is Jameis. Really, he's look at the numbers since he's been back. He's two eighty five and two. He's averaging two eighty five per week. He's got seven touchdowns in three games. He looked really bad doing it against Green Bay too. When he had two seventy and yeah. two touchdowns in that game, and he was efficient eight point four yards per attempt. He didn't throw a pick. And watching it, he had a, a fumble that he lost that was a pretty big one too. He he just looked somehow terrible playing well. He has. 12 fumbles in 11 games. That's bad. Yes, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's really bad. That's a career high already. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. But he's throwing the ball well. He seems to be. The interception rate's down 2.2%, lowest of his career. That's mm-hmm. considered a step forward. Passer rating at 93.6, the highest fantasy points per game, lowest of his career. Uh, I think that's in part because he doesn't have a rushing TD this year. And that's probably going to be less a part of his game than we would have thought when he was a rookie because he was very touchdown dependent in that regard. He had right. six rushing touchdowns against 213 yards. Yeah, and that, thing, that was fun, interesting then because he got that and people started comparing him to Cam Newton, which was a totally different. It just happened to be Jameis is a decent-sized guy who happened to you know sneak the ball in near the goal line. Right, and he's still smaller than Cam Newton, too. Yeah. And he's not – I don't think he's nearly as fast in the open field. No, not at all. Like not even close. Yeah, he's not a runner. We have we have the combine stats on the player pages. 
Cam Newton ran a four five six forty. What do you think Jameis Jameis Winston ran? I'm looking at it, but you can tell everybody. <laughs> he ran a four nine seven. Yeah, that's like Brady territory, isn't it? It's it's amazing. Look at this. Brady's five two eight. So I, I, I forgot. I forgot. I thought Brady was just a tick over five. So it's no nobody's in Brady territory. Like if you if you made a chart of, of quarterback forty times, Brady would just be like way off on his own you you if you look at these these combine metrics on the player page at rotowire you'll realize that james winston is not there for his for his athleticism not at all yeah no not not even close and ben roethlisberger ran a four seven five forty way yep. back in the day and he's the guy people compare james to sometimes that he, he'll shake people off and extend the play like he's not fast but he can, he'll, he'll extend the play a little so I, I could see that as a, a more realistic comp for yeah. what he does. The Cam Newton comp is a skin color comp, and that's pretty much it. That's a really bad, lazy comp. Yes, it is. All right, um, folks, if you love anybody, you, got, you have any more questions for us, tweet us at jhoppin37 or at Derek Van Riper. Uh, also, listeners to this podcast get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. Um, you can use that. You should have nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now at rotowire.com slash pod. So... Derek, it is now 4 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Um, Heaney's going to do his Facebook Live Q&A on Sunday at noon. What else we got to help people before the for week 16 kicks off? And, and kicks off, by the way, reminder, Saturday. Two games Saturday starting at about 4.30. Um, that is what, that's uh, Ravens, Colts, and Steelers, Texans. Which one's first? Which one's first? Colts, Ravens is the 4.30 yeah. game. Vikings, Packers is your evening snuff film. <laughs> So remember, you've got the two games Saturday, then you've got a Sunday slate of 12 games, and then you have the the two games on Monday, which are Pittsburgh, Houston, and Oakland, Philly. The big worry there would probably be Amari Cooper. I mean, unless you're worried about those Philly guys resting, which it's a legit concern. I think I'd play the Philly guys, but if there was a tiebreaker, that would push me against. That's probably as far as I'm going. We're just lucky that this game, this Vikings Packers game is Saturday night for those purposes in case something totally insane happens. Yes. Uh, if, if that game is as terrible as I expect it to be, I strongly encourage you to, you know, go to like, I don't know, the TBS on demand app or Hulu or whatever, whatever platform allows you to watch Seinfeld. Watch the Festivus episode of Seinfeld or something. <laughs> uh, turn on the Christmas story marathon. Watch Elf. Even even if you hate Elf, like hate watch the movie elf if you if you have to that'll probably be more enjoyable than what the vikings are going to do to the packers in that game who would hate elf i don't understand who hates elf we had someone in the bullpen today and i'll allow him to remain anonymous no 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 no. i I don't want i don't want to ruin anybody's christmas season i don't want shade going in the direction of anybody for a terrible movie take we had somebody make the declaration that elf is the worst movie of all time. Not just the worst Christmas movie, not even just a bad or overrated Christmas movie, but that it's the worst movie ever. And I think that is a totally outlandish take. I will entertain arguments that Elf is not as good or as funny as some people hype it up to be, but it is still an enjoyable Christmas movie nonetheless. All right, here's the take. Ready? I do not like Christmas Vacation. Really? Why don't you like Christmas Vacation? I don't think it's funny. I am what not easily is not funny about it? I, here's my thing. Over, uh, over the years, uh, the conclusion I have come to 
is that I think Chevy Chase is very overrated. Except for in Caddyshack, I kind of don't have a lot of use for him. You know what it is, though? It's in, in Caddyshack. He's not the most outrageous character. Right. Because of Al Chervik. So, so Rodney Dangerfield is such a, a bozo in that movie that you can't be annoyed by Chevy Chase. And his character's pretty laid back anyway. So I could see it in, in Christmas Vacation. But he's, he's got Randy Quaid. He's got, his, he's got Eddie. Yeah. Ed, Eddie's the most ridiculous character in Christmas Vacation. So right. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you don't like that. It seems like the kind of movie you would like. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. And I tried a couple of years ago. We, had, we, had, we got this argument. We were out to dinner that Elf was better than Christmas Vacation. And we literally, and my wife and I got, got crushed for it. There were 10 people there, and they were all yelling at us. Oh, so this po- before you a, guys started making pizzas for everybody, probably. Yes, I put a poll on Twitter, what's better, and it was unanimous for Christmas Vacation. I would choose Christmas Vacation over Elf. I think they're both good and probably in similar tears for me. All right. Another uh, related story. Um, my wife used to work with a guy at MTV. Um, she's a finance person. And this guy, Cliff, he was talking to me. He, he said, you know, we we're talking about movies and everything. And I don't know how Caddyshack came up. And he said, yeah, I was in Caddyshack. Really? Said, what do you mean? He said, well, when I went to college, they were, he went to some college in Florida and they had extras one day. Like they basically needed, you know, 100 to 200 people to be extras in Caddyshack. And we said, well, what did you do? Or Heather said it first, and I talked about it later. And uh, he said, well, you remember the caddy day at the pool scene? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a caddy day at the pool or final scene where everybody's following them around Bushwood right. during match play. So he says, yeah, well, do you remember when Lacey Underall got up on the diving board and the guy backed off the diving board? Yeah. That was him. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty. That's a pretty good, notable moment for right? an extra in, in comedy history. Like, you can describe that scene, and people will remember it happening. They don't necessarily remember who he, like, what he looked like, or anything like that. But they're like, oh yeah, yeah. There's like a guy that kind of like pushes off the end of the diving board, yeah. and someone else that backs away. Yeah, like that's that's pretty funny. I mean, you tell everybody that. That's a great story to tell. Yeah. See, and I I need to do some things with my life. I realized, like I. <laughs> I mean, not not because of that particular story. I was thinking a, a little bit about uh, the passing of Dick Enberg, who, yeah, I mean, for me growing up was everywhere and for your entire lifetime was everywhere in yeah. terms of the sports he covered. And I saw somebody tweeted a list of the events that he covered in his lifetime. Ridiculous. And I, I mean, I honestly don't know if any broadcaster covered as many big events across multiple sports as Dick Enberg did. Yeah. And he was, he was good at all of them. Like I, I don't ever remember watching him call anything, even Padres games in his later years and, and saying to myself, Oh, I just can't, I can't do that. I can't listen to this. I got to flip to something else. And to do that for, to be, to be good. I think even at calling one sport is, is a gift, but to be good or great, at multiple sports for as long as he was is truly amazing. And he's definitely uh, one of those larger than life personalities that you're, you're just going to miss because I think a lot of your, your fondest sports memories you'd find if you went back, he was there calling them. Um, And it's like what Scully did in baseball. Like Dick Enberg did that over multiple sports. And that's incredible. 
I'm going to read some one thing on Twitter that I've just pulled up. Eight UCLA titles, nine no-hitters, nine Rose Bowls, 28 Wimbledons, three Olympics, the John Elway Drive, the Bird Magic NCAA Final 1979, Houston over UCLA to end UCLA's unbeaten streak in the late 60s, uh, the Masters, the French Open, the Breeders' Cup. The, uh, he was the lead play-by-play guy for NFL and NBC, uh, the NBA, and he did San Diego Padres toward the end of his career. So yeah, he, he was everywhere. You're right. I, rem- I remember him first. Um, I'm 48 years old, and I remember him first as the lead guy, NFL and NBC doing games with Merlin Olson. That's where I first, that and college basketball with, with Al McGuire and Billy Packer. That's where I remember Dick Ember first. And for me, I mean, I'm, I'm 33. So my sports memories really begin in the, the early nineties. Wimbledon, uh, tennis coverage from mm-hmm. Dick Enberg too. Was, he's just, he's the voice of tennis in my head forever. Right. Him with, uh, Bud Collins. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, rest in peace, Dick Enberg. That was a sad. I mean, he's eighty-two. He had a great life. Sounds like so, uh, great he, he career did. certainly. And and that career, just seeing seeing it all laid out like that, it was it was just one. Like I was amazed by what he did, and two, I just I, I kind of like thought about what I've done in twelve years out of college, and was like, well, time to start doing some things. <laughs> like let's let's uh, let's try to set the bar a little higher. Hosting, go. hosting a podcast with me is not reaching these heights. Is what you're trying to say? You know what? If if 50 years pass, John, and and in my list, it doesn't quite doesn't quite stack up to the all time greats, and I'm certainly not on that trajectory at all. I'm not even close. <laughs> if uh, if if you're on the the list of things that I, you know, I, I worked on the Rotowire football podcast with John Helpin. I'm okay with that. That's right. fine. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's an achievement. That's a that's an that's enough of an achievement where I feel okay about that. Sounds good. Same here. I appreciate that. All right, let's but, wrap it up. But I got to do something else with my life. Otherwise, people are going to be like, well, that's a weird thing to include. <laughs> like, for, for your sake, if it pops up on there, I'm like, really? He did all this other stuff? The family and uh, Panther stuff and NHL? We're there. And DVR? Who, who's this idiot? <laughs> I'm definitely putting it in there. I don't care what you say. So there I you appreciate go. that. All right, folks. Um, Derek, Merry Christmas, buddy. Enjoy. Yeah, your- same to you. Yeah. Same to all the listeners out there who celebrate too, and you know, Happy Hanukkah and uh, Kwanzaa too. I know that's going on. So hey, whatever, whatever holiday holidays you do celebrate, I hope you enjoy them and enjoy the time with friends. And you and I are back early next week. We're back the day after Christmas. So yes, you know, we're we're not going to be gone for that long. And hopefully, everybody's getting some uh, much needed R and R over the next week or so. And if, if we can at least just be more pleasant to listen to than whatever is on the radio as you drive from function to function or if you got to go and like escape for an hour and listen to our podcast and we can help you get through a stressful holiday season whatever it is you know we'll be here we will and next week we'll be here tuesday thursday friday um derek and i'll be tuesday friday tim heaney joining me on thursday um prepping for those of you playing in week 17 if you're doing it you know we can have a separate talk about whether you should or not but if you are we will be here um that's it thanks for listening to this edition of the road wire fantasy football podcast sponsored by FanDuel. as derek said we're going to be coming back on tuesday giving you a weekend wrap-up and a look at some free agents you might want to pick up for week 17 17 so come on back then for derek van riper i'm john halpin good luck in week 16 and happy holidays everybody